Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is iFanboy Pick of the Week, episode 830. Brought to you by Mac Weldon. For 20% off your first order, go to macweldon.com slash iFanboyMac. And use the promo code iFanboyMac. And iFanboy listeners just like you. Fanboy Pick of the Week, episode 830. We love those round numbers. My name is Connor Kilpatrick. This is Josh Flanagan. Anniversary episode. <laughs> Close. Anything with a zero. It's good. It's a big. It's a new number. It's a big one. We are a fanboy. Every week we read, read a, every week we read a bunch of comics, and we pick the one we like the best. And we call it the Pick of the Week, and that's what happens, regardless of the quality of the stack. That's not a commentary this week. It's just me talking. That's fine. It was a fine week. We talk about that book, we'll talk about books, other books of the week, we'll talk about the patron pick, just some listener mail if we have time, and we spoil things, so that's your warning. Use some caution. Use your brain. We're going to have to talk about things. There'll be spoilers. Use it. This week, Josh, Yeah. you had to pick. Yeah, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Were you surprised that the pick was Batman the Night number five? Surprised? No. Um no, because you've been enjoying it, like I've been enjoying it. Sure. I mean, you you sent the list over, and I saw it, and I was like, oh. I mean, it was only mildly. It was like a mild surprise, but not like a, whoa. Yeah. Unexpected, but not without sense. Yeah, as soon as I saw it, I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, we've been enjoying that book. He likes that book. Yeah, yeah. So, um, we get to go for another round of me trying to say uh, Carmine Di Genomenico. <laughs> I practiced a lot after the last one. Di Genomenico. Di Genomenico. Di Genomenico. Um, it, it, reading books, uh, it was like, I, I, I don't know if you're like me, but I, I get like a sense of like, if the first couple you get to are, are kind of good, then you, you know, you're pumped and you sort of are enjoying the ones that, that come after it. And the first ones are bad. Then it's sort of the same thing. And, and sometimes it's just kind of, you just don't notice. You're like, oh, I've read a bunch of books. And then I think, is there anything that's pick of the week? And I'm like, I don't know. I, mm. I, I you know, and you have to go back and sort of. Look at the list, um, and there are a few of them. There, were, I I generally enjoyed my books. I don't think I loved this week, but uh, I wasn't. A, I wouldn't say it was a bad week. Um, and like, basically, Batman the Night, you know, should be fairly rote. It is a story we've seen in various forms. It's the, about the time between when Batman decides he has to do something and when he becomes Batman, and he meets people out in the world and he does training. Um, but this one is what is this twelve issues? Like it's it's so, yeah twelve yeah. Like they're really spending time ten issues. Uh, they're ten. really spending time with sort of each part. You know, he goes to the uh 
high atop, I don't know, it's Tibetan, you know, monastery to learn how to fight. He meets Ducard. He has that French woman. He, uh, now he meets a KGB uh, female, uh, actually it's Ch- uh, Charles Xavier. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, and uh, he's also got his buddy uh, that he met at the, at the Tibetan fighting palace um, <laughs> that they escaped together. Which is the, the whole thing is fraught with waiting for a shoe to drop, mm-hmm. and there's a, there's a sense of tenseness that is behind tension that is behind sort of all the things that happen. Like I, he's dealing with bad folk, more or less, you know, yeah. and he's Batman, and there's a line in here. So basically, he goes to see this KGB agent, and the theme is, um, Spike boy, a lot. Ha- a lot happened in this issue, actually. Yeah. So they get yes. captured in uh, Soviet Russia. It is Soviet, right? Yeah. Yep. yep. Um, and that tells you how old he is. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. Nebulous. Uh, <laughs> let's just ignore it. Move along. Move along. Uh, and and you know he's captured and tortured and and after like a lo- what seems like a long time. Well, you know, I'm sorry. They- no, it's not because. Uh, there's a there's there's a conversation here about how they're FSB now, so that was post Soviet right. Russia. Okay, but yeah. she was KGB. So she was KGB, like right. a lot of people. Yeah, they look pretty Soviet. It's never not been Soviet Russia. They just have they just haven't had the territory. That's true. Um, so uh, this the this sort of uh, Russian guard looking uh, stereotype with a big mustache. You know, he's after him for forever, and then like like uh, Scooby Doo removes the rubber mask. And we find out that this is the woman he's been searching for all along. And they go to uh, her luxury apartment. <laughs> and, yep. And there's uh and she she has a little woman spy cave that she introduces him to. And it's all about uh being in disguise and going undercover or in mufti. Um and getting what you want. And so she sets up little challenges that the two guys have to try to uh, you know, get an objective. So it's a, it's a locked office, you know, where a, a diplomat or somebody's keeping a, um, a list of a book with like a list of names or something and they have to get it. And the deal is that his other, his friend is much better at lying and yes. at, uh, you know, uh, get lying to people and pretending to be somebody else to get what he wants. And, and he's not, and, and Bruce is not great at that. And then it ends with, uh, and the reason that I'm explaining this is because these are, none of these things are things that I kind of would have expected to see. So at the end, there's this scene, and the two men are there, and and his friend Bruce's friend has gotten the thing, and they're leaning over, and you know Bruce is doubting himself, and the friend leans over, and they have a like they have what looks to be a romantic moment, and I was like, and what I thought was you're going to do Bruce Wayne is now bisexual in the past. And it didn't. It turns out he was seducing his friend so he could steal the book from his pocket mm-hmm. and win the contest. And, you know, as a wrap-up to a story, I was I was incredibly sort of uh, taken by surprise, and, and it was an unexpected thing. And, and you are seeing actual... We are so often not able to see development in these characters. And so in this, you're able to see this character develop by going backwards in time. Yeah. Um, I, uh, you know, Chip Zdarsky, he's, he's got the goods and he's got the goods for Bruce Wayne and, uh, John Domenico is, is, you know, he's great. He's one of my favorite artists. I, I love when he shows up and I read this, uh, issue 
and, and I kind of had not noticed who had done it. And I was like, oh, this, this is great. And I went, oh, okay, there it is. And I thought, oh, no, I'm going to have to say it. And I'm not <laughs> bad at saying things, but this one gets me when, when we're recording. I practiced beforehand, and then I botched it the first time I tried. You know, this should be, there's, I, every week, it seems like a new Batman miniseries comes out. Yes. There's endless. Well, and, and it's really, it'd be really easy for me to just be like, oh, I don't want to bother with any of it. But if you pick out a good one, you know, this there's a reason this property has legs and there's there's good people doing work. You know, there's some I, I don't I've I've looked at and don't care about, but this is and I if you compare this cuz it's I feel like it's sort of similar in tone cuz it's sort of globe hopping uh to Tom Taylor's The Detective, which what happened to that by the way? It ended. It was just, it was just a five issue miniseries. It ended. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I I think I like this better than that and I liked that. Yeah, I mean th- this is the classic you know, pre-Batman story that you can't think too hard about, you know, otherwise yeah. it falls apart because you know, the way they have it here is there's like going to be dozens of people who know about Bruce Wayne <laughs> becoming sure. Batman. But, you know, how, how I, I like the sort of anthology aspect of this where every issue he learns a different aspect of being Batman from a different, you know, mysterious and or sexy European uh, spy. or Or both. Or detective or whatever it is. Uh, it's just it's a, it's a fun globe trotting sexy international adventure. I I mean, if you look at it a certain way, if you you try not to make you try not to uh, worry about making sense of it, and you can focus on the things that don't make sense and actually enjoy that, mm-hmm. like that's you know that's the way that I tend to go at it. And then the I think the other thing that lets me enjoy this in a way that maybe I wouldn't have uh, in an earlier time in my life is that it it isn't to me so much about explaining why Bruce Wayne is the way he is and this is how he got there. But it's sort of fun for me to figure out how the writer of the story is coming up with ways for this to be the case. Like that is what's interesting. It's like, oh, they're doing a little spy story with him. Like this doesn't all have to fit into who Batman is later, whatever. It's just the framework. And so it actually gives them a chance to do storytelling without really having to worry about continuity. Right. Right. You know, and and I think that that's that's something that sometimes we overlook because the second that you start going, well, this doesn't make sense. How do you have time? Like then it's terrible. And it, instead, you, you take that as a feature, not a bug, and you can really enjoy it. I think the idea that Bruce could goes into a club and can't pick up a girl is funny because mm-hmm. he's handsome and charming, and he'd at least he'd at least get someone to talk to him. Like they they made him so incompetent in the club, where it was like he couldn't even talk to women when he was. Basically, seducing that you know sexy older French cat burglar just in a couple issues ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a, there was a couple of things here where I was like, <laughs> but overall, I, there's a bit in this. I don't remember what exactly what the line is, but there is something where she's like, you have to be able to act like a charming playboy. And yes, I thought, oh, this is how he learns to do that, and it doesn't come naturally to him. And I actually think that's really interesting. Yeah, oh, for sure, and then. I mean, but it's, I mean, it's not uh, even that he could do it. Like, if he hadn't gone through all this, he still he wouldn't have been that guy. Correct. Yeah, and I think that's interesting. Yeah, and there's a lot of the you know we get a little bit more of the mythos with this issue, and here she you know she calls her apartment the cave, and she talk you know teaches him how to be the, mm-hmm. to be the playboy. So he's 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 all he's already been, he he is Batman. He just hasn't figured it out yet, but he has to create Bruce Wayne. You know, mm-hmm. which is interesting. Which is which is one of the things that makes Batman so interesting, is that he has to he has to figure out how to be who he was born to be, and then who he became when he was eight. 
Mm-hmm. And that's that's fun. I mean, and you said the, the art's terrific. Everything is interesting angles and, you know, or the camera's pulled way back or it's real close. Like, D'Angelo is um, terrific. And overhead shots, it's 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 a fun book to look at. We should also mention um, uh, Ivan Placencia on the colors, which is also yeah. really strong. Um, it's a lot I, of... Uh... There's a lot of syllables in the art team. Yeah, Pat Brousseau. Everyone, yeah. chill out. Um, one of the other, if you, uh, I can't remember if it was, I think it was last week. There was a page from a comic book that I read that was just a lettering nightmare. It was just a, like a whole thing of medium shots and 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 text all over the page, and I didn't even want to read it. And as I'm flipping through this book, you would have seen this on my Instagram account, but um. As I'm flipping through this book, there are a couple of pages that are fairly heavy dialogue, mm-hmm. and it works because they know what they're doing. And sure. as I'm sort of just flipping through the pages and I am defocusing my eyes, I can also see, this is credit for Pat Brousseau to a certain extent, is that the word balloons and the dialogue have a flow to them that becomes visual, even though there are a lot of word balloons. Right. And it's this really subtle thing that I don't see unless I sort of am looking for it. So, like, I see a page, and it's got a ton of of sort of explication and, and just going through it. Okay, can you, are you looking at page uh, 13 in the digital book? 13. It's okay. So, what you've got here is a combination, and I don't know his name. I don't, I don't know this friend's name. But Friend. there's a conversation that goes on in this room, and yes, the word balloons actually go between the faces that's not supposed to happen that's a, mm-hmm. that's like a that's like a rule of thumb you don't do that but if you follow with your finger mm-hmm. down the page that snakes and it creates yeah. it creates a perfect line for you to read these things and the compositions aren't particularly interesting on the surface but they are there's a symmetry to the page there is like all of the things work in concert and it's it's one of those things where you will read a page like this and not think about it, which is the way it's supposed to work. But then you back up a little bit and you look at the bits of it, you know, the way that it's formed. And there's a shape. There's an hourglass to the whole yes. composition. There's, you know, there's a bit of light over his eyes. There's a Batman foreshadow. Over to the left of the top panel, which is part of the second panel, there's a face that they've stuck there. Like they're guiding your eyes around... This is just this is the storytelling part of things. And when you have really skilled, you know, craftspeople, you know, like these are things like that you don't see or but you feel them. And then right. so immediately next page from that, you're in the party, bright lights, like they change the tone completely. The the camera angles all change, but um it's just it's just little things like that. I just they read so well that I don't notice a page full of dialogue. You yeah. know, and it's also it's constructed in such a way that it's not like blah 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 blah, where there's somebody just trying to shove you know words in somewhere that nobody left room for, and where there was too many of them. Yeah, I mean, that, as long as you have a high level of craft, you can you can fix any yeah issue. And I, I like how that page that you're talking about is all gray and dark and shadowy, and then as you said, you turn the you turn the page and it's all mm-hmm. Euro Club Technicolor, you know, party scene. It's it's yeah. a it's a very well done book. It is. In fact, if you sort of just flip through the pages, and I don't know if this is intentional, but it works that way. If you sort of flip through the pages from beginning to end quickly, you actually see the time of day change. Mm-hmm. Like as you go through it, it goes into daylight and then to sunset and then nighttime 
and then they're in the dark room and then they go to the club with the lights and then it's morning and it gets brighter and brighter. Like it goes up and down. It's like somebody's running a fader on the pages. Again, you know, that's just being conscious of your coloring and your lighting, I think. And uh, yeah, it's it's just one of those like it just it just reads so easily that you don't even notice it. Yeah. And, and that's that's a real skill. That's a real craft. And and I was I was totally I was totally into it, you know. But not even the way at the end. I was like, that was great. I just sort of looked back and went, I really I think I enjoy that issue more than anything else. And that is how you get to be pick of the week. I did not plan to have any of that conversation. <laughs> I don't think people realize the emotional anguish we go through every week trying to figure out the pick of the week. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's but a I think little one act play every week. It's cool because you know like in this instance you can read the book and be like oh i enjoyed that and then you go back and you start examining it like when we talk start talking about it here and you start seeing all of these little things that are being done right and you go oh that's why you know that's that's why that's good that's why this other one's not well as you said there there are things that you shouldn't see or recognize upon first glance yeah and it's like the score of a film or the Mm -hmm. editing of a film like it's just you should just be in the story and it should work well enough, so well that you don't re- realize it. Which is later. which is so antithetical for like artisans, you know. And you know, like it it, it sucks if you're a letterer because you're doing your job. No one will ever know you're there, right? You know what I mean? And and you know, you want to draw, you want to make a big uh, sound effect splash and be like, wow, that's great. But even that, you shouldn't notice. It should just be organic to the scene. Um, but it takes a ton of skill. And, for sure, and you, you know it. What, you know it when it's not there. You might not know what it is, but you'll be like, something's wrong here. And so people will, you know, will notice like, well, you guys are nitpicking these little things from time to time. And it's like, well, yeah, but those are the things. They, they, they interrupt right. the flow. They change things. Anyway. Right. Let's talk about newly <clears throat> showered with Oscar, uh, Oscars, <laughs> showered with Eisner's <laughs> Nightwing number 92. Just the Eisner's Awards nominations came out this week and Nightwing got a whole bunch of them. Which is, which is, which was, I guess, maybe surprising isn't the right word, but I just think it tends to be one of those books that maybe people don't notice unless you're reading and you're like, oh, this is good. And it's kind of cool to, to see that other people have noticed it's really I good. I just think it's funny because anytime we shower praise of a book, we're like, this, this book's going to win Eisner's. We're always wrong. Right. So for once, for well, once we were right. I mean, let's but, get right to it. Yeah. There's one important issue that I think that we should talk about that mm-hmm. had to deal with this book, that the whole thing. All right, so there's a little flashback you see in the first two page, which is beautifully colored and drawn. First three, four, five, six pages. It's okay. like, Apparently that was longer than I thought. It's like a third of the book. Right, that's fine. And then page 10, we come, to, we come to Pleasant Day, or Present Day. It's a pleasant day also. It is nice out. And over to the right, we see Mar- Marvin George Pizza, where you see Marv Wolfman and, and, and George Perez. And this would have been drawn and put in there before he'd passed away. Um, I do, I do I, like that he sort of lives on as a char- as a background character yes. in this book. Yeah, he'll have streets named after him in Gotham for the rest of time. Yep. And there's a little girl eating a slice of pizza. Yep. And I, I don't want to fail to give credit where it is due. Mm-hmm. Because that is the correct way to hold and eat a slice of fresh pizza. If, if it's not folded, yes. Absolutely. Right, right, right. Okay, but let, she's a little girl. They're no, not it, it doesn't have that. to be folded. Can, there's, right. there's some people who don't eat pizza folded, and they're weirdos, but that's fine. Well, that's, you uh, know what? It's a, that's a pizza that depends on the size. It's not all pizza can be, well, I guess it could, but it's a small pizza. No, it's anyway, fine. I've got no issues here. He, listen, here's the thing. Mm-hmm. You're telling me that they don't listen to this show. <laughs> After multiple, 
grievous assaults on the sanctity of pizza eating, they just nail this. They nailed 100%. it. A hundred percent. I'm going to need to see Nightwing eat a slice of pizza with his costume on before I can make that statement, but you know. Somebody, somebody's paying attention. Somebody made a correction. <laughs> and it honors the memory of George Perez. I agree. Uh, and pizza. I loved, obviously, the flashback that would have, this little flashback would have been my pick of the week. Mm -hmm. I, I had an interesting thought about Nightwing this week. This was a great issue. Bruno Redondo's back, also an Eisner nominated for art. Good. Um, he, after off, being off a couple issues. Um, uh, Nightwing, to me, if I can use a really, really labored food analogy, is like a delicious pizza cone of ice cream. That occasionally has a rock in it, a little tiny pebble. Wow! And that time, and, and it's not the book's fault; it's the it's, it's the wider DC's fault. So, like, I'm going. I'm, first of all, I'm reading the book, and I see in the credits page, you know, Nightwing created by Marv Wolfman, George Perez, and Superman created by Jerry Siegel and Joe Shuster. I was like, oh, cool, Superman's going to be in the book. And then I get there, and I'm like, well, fuck it, Jonathan. Like, I just forget. I keep forgetting. You know. Also, George, Jerry Siegel and Joe, Joe Shuster didn't create Jonathan. Um, and then, you know, Bruce Wayne shows up at this gala that's honoring Alfred and he's looking all, you know, cool. And one of the things I like about Bruno Redondo is much like Jamie McKelvey, he actually draws people to look really fashionable to now yeah, they look and look like they're wearing clothes now, as opposed to whenever the artist was young, you know? Right. And so Bruce has got the, like the cowl neck, you know, sweater and the cool jacket and the, you know, it's like, all right, he's looking awesome. And then. They make a crack about how he's broke. And I was like, oh, fuck, there's another rock in the ice cream. Like, I just, all the dumb shit that's happening in DC occasionally pops up here. Mm -hmm. It doesn't make any sense. How does Bruce afford those stylish and designer clothes? You know, like, how is he still being Batman if he's broke? Like, why are we still doing this thing that was supposed to be for a future state that never happened? If that's over with, why is this still happening? It doesn't mm -hmm. affect anything other in the story. It doesn't add anything to the story. It's just stupid. And so it's just stuff like that is bugging me. But it's not the book's fault. Um, the book was fine. It was good. It was very good. I, I just, I really enjoy this book. And yeah. I, you know, it's, it, Bruno Redondo, you know, when he shows up, man, does it come to life. Oh, and for there's sure. Just, there's a couple of pages and there's a page, page uh, 19, where he rips the mask off one of the folks who were um, trying to trash the site. And, and you know the pages, the panels uh, shrink away to the right side, which looks like a very um, infinite crisis kind of thing. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's just like it's just so thoughtful, and it, even There's like the a, basic yeah, one, one, two page spread. I was about to say he, the word thoughtful. Like that is exactly when the when he's on the book, and this is no knock on. They had that fill in artist for the two issues of the yeah. Flash, and that was good, but uh, it's a different level of craft when Redondo's on the book. It's not just storytelling, because you have to be able to do that first. You have to be able to do, you know, characters, figures, anatomy, and storytelling first. If you can't do those, anything else you do, you know, is, isn't great. It's a waste of time. But he, he does that, and then he adds motion and design with those elements incorporated. So there's a page, I mean, there's, there's a really obvious sort of double page spread. He jumps off the side of the building and is silhouetted by the moon and whatever. Yeah. It's a nice poster. Um, but the page after that, where he sort of falls down and yeah. this, this shouldn't, 
this shouldn't work. This is left-hand panel stacking, but it, it does. So I want to give credit where that is. Is In the first panel, I'm looking at page uh, 18. And, and like, if you can follow at home, it would be good. <laughs> the first, first panel, the rope is coming down. All you see is the sky and the rope, and it is, it is loose. Second panel, it is pulled taut and twanging back and forth. Third panel as we go down, and the, the bad guy is in the forefront of all these because these are just a single shot, but split time-wise. You know, and then he's swinging down. Just a beautiful composition, beautiful coloring as the sunset comes up from, or the sunrise comes up below those people. You know, and then you look at the second panel, and again, these are all sort of tall vertical panels, and you see the line of the rope as it goes through one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve bad guys who have all been taken out by this one swing. And then he lands in the panel. You know, there's dust kicked up everywhere. And then the last panel is a bunch of sound effects. Oh, I fucking love work. That. That, page is, that, that page is masterful. This page is the, Eisner worthy. This is, uh, I, I think the first three, look, this is all amazing composition. And this is, again, why Bruno Redondo is one of my favorite artists and very, very worthy to be Eisner nominated. Is You mentioned that first sequence is one panel chopped to three and it takes place in three different times it's almost like um dunkirk you know how Mm -hmm. you play with time and i I don't know the last time i saw a panel like that where you and this i'm giving credit also to tom taylor i'm sure who wrote wrote it this way is that the like when's the last time you saw a panel show time and movement like that just through the course of chopping into three sections and mm-hmm. just so thoughtfully with just showing the ro- how the rope is, how it's loose and then taut, and it's just incredible. And then I love that they embrace things like the '66 esque um, Biff Bam Pow, you know, iconography mm-hmm. here too in the book itself. And, and this is a, also a, this is a story element to this too. Is that this is a reference to the beginning of the book where young Robin, you know, mm-hmm. jumped into the fray and everyone was like, no, don't do it. And he got the shit beat out of him. Yeah. This is the same thing as he jumps into the fray, you know, but he's like, but I'm more experienced now. Right. And, you know, th- there's not a ton of dialogue. It's, it's inner monologue. It's captions. Um, but it, it does a job, right. you know, and, and it does what it's supposed to. It's great. And the, th- the thing is comics, mainstream comics, superhero comics, uh, I'm not going to say it's the audience's fault, but like when you talk about like a event book, a big thing, something that you want a bunch of people to go see, to go pick up and read, you know, that's all about pinups and poster shots and a bunch of superheroes standing and, you know, punching somebody like with splash pages and whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and like, this should be the thing, you know, this is virtuoso shit and it isn't oh, yeah. like, doesn't move units necessarily, but you know, it doesn't get better than that. It doesn't. It, it mainstream superhero comics do not get better than this page. You yeah, know, and this book, when, of, when it's when it's right. Taylor and Redondo together, and again, the fill-in artist was terrific too. But with this, it, when it's Taylor and Redondo together, this book is the best book mm-hmm. being made. Yeah, yeah. So you're like, why isn't that pick of the week? Well, it isn't. But <laughs> Listen, sometimes things happen. <laughs> yeah. No, this was the other one. It was between the two. But I expect this to be good, and I think that's the difference. You know, like, I I was like, okay, this is what I wanted it to be out of this, and it isn't really a surprise. So with Fantastic Four 688, uh, we're we're further into the Reckoning War. I I still really enjoy this, and I... And there's some fantastic scenes and sequences. I'm just I'm just holding on by the skin of my teeth with this 
Uh, <laughs> this was the first Fantastic Four in a while, and I was like, oh, I'm just going to have to push through this one, I guess. <laughs> yeah, there, <laughs> just, there, was, there was a lot of long alien names and terms and weapon names, and I was just like, okay, I'm just going to roll with all this stuff that I'm not necessarily all understanding. Because, you know, you know there's great Doom in here, great Nick Fury. Well, that's what I was going to say. That well, said... A lot of times when you get a story like this is in the middle of an event that you don't really know the stakes characters, mm-hmm. you know, there's hard to grab hard for anything to grab onto. But the stuff I like about the book is all still in here that I'm grabbing onto. Yeah. You know, I you know, I get oh, Johnny Storm is with all the people from his lady lady friend's planet. There's an amazing doom sequence through this whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um again, I don't know who that bad guy is. I don't know what they're talking about. I don't know what book I missed. <laughs> but like I'm down with it. And Invisible Woman is sort of a callback to that miniseries that was good a couple of years ago where she turned out she was a spy. Yeah. So they, she does kind of, you know, she's been she's been skulking around Mark Watcher Wade. headquarters. Yeah, that Mark Wade book. Like, there's this, all kinds of great stuff in here. It's just that there's a lot of, you know, b- badooms. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's the right word or the character. They're not the badoon? badooms. It's N, I think. Whatever. The, I don't badoon. know. There's a... There's a there's a ton. I was like, wait, is that Watcher stuff in this one? Yeah, that was in this one too. Oh, and you know they've got Clockwork Orange Watcher thing going. I read that one, by the way. You told me to read. Yeah. I guess it was Reckoning War Zero. Yes. Yeah, that was good. Um, you know, the, there's actually there was two Watchers at some point, and she yeah. shoots the she bad shoots one, one in the back of the head, which I was like, whoa. I thought Watu got shot, but it no. wasn't. Yeah, they all look the same. It, it turns out they need name tags. <laughs> The Watchers. <laughs> or bad facial hair, which is so going to have. But, um, so I, I didn't love, you know, how, but I, I did like it. I still, enjoy, I still enjoyed it. Like, the, the, the book is, uh, you know, it continues to be a thing that I really look forward to. It's probably I mean, it's just the, like, most, it's the most gosh of Marvel right now, yeah. you can, by far. The, Pros- the, the Proskillian and the Cyclopedia Universum and the... Cor- thing the helmet has a name like mm-hmm. they've all got these long names with many consonants and it's just i finished it i was like Whew, i am wiped but, i assume like in a, that's in what a good way. it was i assume that's what it was like reading marvel in the 60s for the first right. time I'm like, I don't an ultimate nullifier is let's stick around <laughs> right. no I, I i did enjoy this show it's just like wow that's a, there's a lot happening it's a good thing that you're right you've got four, 40 plus issues of history with these characters written by this one writer. So all the character stuff really works really well. Yeah. yeah I just hope that right. Johnny doesn't get back together with Sky because that was, that was the only downside of the whole run. But that's not the downside. The downside is that he's still like burning incredibly hotly as seemingly we've just forgotten about it. And I want that part over. Yeah. Because what was the other book? There was some other book we read that he was would... like in the way in the future and he was still hot. And I was like, oh no. Oh, right. The missing yeah, Spider-Man. Yeah. Right, and then this week there was also the Marvels where he was normal, and I was like, "There you go, there you go." Well, there's there's a, there's a book I can't hold on to at all. Like I'm like I'm ten in, <laughs> yeah. but I have I that's a there's a, there's a thread somewhere. I don't it was know the where. other side of the coin. I think I read them back yeah, to back. It was. I, was, I think that's why I was exhausted. I read Marvel Marvels and Tennis Four back to back, and I was like, "Woo, <laughs> take a breather." That's a lot. Gotta take a gotta have a drink. I hate this place. Number one, the new Kyle Starks book from Image Comics, was drawn by Artyom Toplin. Not his normal uh, team, our team, but Lilo Roger on colors and Pat. Hey, Pat Brousseau again on letters. And uh, when you at first I wa- wasn't going. 
when you hear the name Pabrasso, do you think of a Cajun person? Yes. I think of that guy from, uh, oh, was the Donald Logue show? Oh, uh, it was uh, t- uh, Terriers. Terriers. I think of that dude. Maybe uh, that is him. He was Cajun in the Vampire Show, True Blood, I guess. But that's oh yeah, I he was Cajun in the Vampire Show. He had a little bit of an accent. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, sure. We're gonna do them colors right up now. <laughs> that's what <laughs> letters. Sorry. So, I, at first, I wasn't gonna read this because it was it was you know Bill as Kyle Starks doing horror, and I was like, well, hmm. Yeah, but he gets. He but then gets I thought, past. you know what? I really like Kyle Starks' work. I think he's a really terrific writer. So at least I'll let me give it a shot, and I'm glad I did because I did like it. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's it. I I had sort of seen at some point it was horror, and I forgot it was horror. And then, like in the middle, when it starts to go that way, I was I was like, "All right, that's what this kind of is." But the setup of it, you know, it's a it's a not I guess a haunted house, haunted farm kind of book. It's... Did you did you read the essay in the back? No, of course not. Okay, so uh, he said basically, I wanted to try to do a horror book. And oh, I so, did read that. I throw. I read I'll the first paragraph. All the tropes in, so it's a haunted house and a ghost story and a terror in the woods and aliens and a thriller with the bank robber. So he's like, he just, and that's kind of why I like Kyle Starks. He's like, oh, I want to do horror. I'm going to do all the horror, and so, you know, it worked. It's a, uh, it, the the thing that's no matter what genre it is, is that he's very very good at scene construction and very very good at rhythm and pacing. Not, mm. not to mention dialogue and, and humor and stuff, but like I found myself really in the, the beginning sequence where the so three guys have currently robbed the bank and they end up fighting over the money and two of them die. And the, the, the construction of the, that sequence was great, including especially the end where the tentacles grab the one guy and then the guy that slashed the face shoots at it and then and squeeze off, squeals off in his car. I thought that, that was such a great page. Oh, wow, um, from, look at the lettering on the squeal. Yeah. Curves around and is backwards. That was like, oh, that's a Kyle Starks page. And then you, you turn the page, and it's you can hear the sound of the gas going into the side of the car. And it's just like, you know, you can you can imagine it visually. It's it's a very, he's very good at this. I think my favorite page is she wakes up in the middle of the night, and the cows are mooing. She goes <laughs> into the barn. There's... <laughs> It's it's not supposed to be funny, but it's page fifteen. Mm-hmm. There's just two round-eyed, freaked-out cows <laughs> with little, it is funny. With, with with little three stooges mo haircuts. <laughs> oh. So uh, the story is these two women, their couple. Uh, one has inherited this cow farm from her great uncle, aunt or uncle. And so they're these two are clearly you know urban urban lesbian couple showing up in small in the small town to to take over this farm. Let's and talk I about liked, the stereo. Let's talk about the stereotype breaking of her um, black lesbian uh, survivalist gun toting girlfriend. I was like, you're all of the things. That's exactly what I was about to say. Is that the twist is that the black lesbian is the is the doomsday prepper with the with the duffel bag full of guns and the ripped arms. Um. <laughs> You know, they go to this farm, and uh, the guy at the store who's directing them to the farm is like, oh, you're going out to that farm? And then I like that they drove right past the crime scene from the night before with the bank robbers and didn't notice the blood and the yeah. stuff. That was a nice nice touch. And then, you know, it, it's, it's the classic thing. There's little things that are off about the farm at first. You know, she has weird memories. of she's, she's only been there one time, and 
she remembers that her aunt and uncle were freaked out that they showed up and that she remember her dog going crazy barking at the woods and then they find a a room that's like not a safe room but it's it's soundproofed and it's got miles and miles of videotapes and a VCR and a TV and all of facts of life is there and like yeah you think it's going to be like creepy videotapes right you know like that they made of but no they're just they're just TV shows and shit it, uh, it just the, like the whole thing was unpredictable and unexpected right it was like, like there's the tropes that are in there but they're not used in the way where you sort of go okay so this goes one two three four five six you know that's how the story goes it's they find out that, that basically once you live in this house you can't leave it because of the ghosts and all the other things and so that's why you know there's tons of videotapes because they got a lot the people who live there have to do something and so I, I I mean it was good I, I'm looking at page 18 on your digital reader and look I mean the shot of the ghosts at the window it's a great drawing it's a really great drawing. It's uh, impressionistic, yeah. but it's creepy and I the think art's really strong. Yeah, I think the um, way that they drew the horror and the ghost part works, and yeah. the color uh, adds to it a lot. There, that sickly green, and this an alien over the. Th- it's a lot. It's a lot here, but it works for it. And I think that's part of the fun of it from yeah. Kyle Stark's perspective. Is that it's like. The, the ghosts all show up at the window and then the alien ship above them shoots the light in the house and then there's the horned creature in the woods watching. It's like everything is happening. And the and response have, <laughs> is we made a little room where you can watch sitcoms. <laughs> and then they're, they're, um, the crew they hired to work the farm shows up and they're all like uh, not the crew you'd expect. There's like no. <laughs> there's like a guy that looks like uh, Killer Mike with big, skinny jeans big, on. Big, big Mike and Ramon. <laughs> and then there's a guy who looks like a Gen Z uh, hipster um, who's going to run the show. And, and then, big of Mike course, and Ramon. The, they know fuck Tarkington. <laughs> and then the guy. Is, he, is Kyle Starks the best at naming? Yes, he is. Yes. And then the guy with the scratch up face in the beginning who has who is back to work the farm because somewhere is where the money from the robbery was buried. So... You know, I wasn't expecting to read this. I wasn't expecting to enjoy it, but I did. I mean, the fact that the, the moment that I saw Kyle Stark's name on it, I went, all right, you know, I'm in. And then it was, it was, his, it was his battle to lose, basically. Right. And uh, it was good. I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. Josh, I don't know if you noticed, but it's heating up outside. Woo! When it comes to stylish <laughs> essentials, perfect for the hotter days ahead, there's no better option than Mack Weldon. From hanging at home to the much-needed vacation, the conference room to the happy hour... They've got you covered. The innovative daily wear system takes the guesswork out of getting dressed, even on the most indecisive, even for the most indecisive of guys, which is great. So you know we we've talked a lot about the the winter wear. You know we have a lot of Mac Weldon winter wear from the sweatshirts to the sweatpants to the to the um the the radius pants, the sort of uh, indoor outdoor pant. But I'm ready now to break out my Mac Weldon swimsuit. I know you and I will both have the same the same pattern, the uh, green. Palm frond one. Mine's um, blue. Oh, I got the green one. So there you go. That's how you tell us apart. We can, we can be together then. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's all I want, guys. That's all I want. I know. So, you know, you've got really thoughtfully designed, um, you know, out, outdoor activewear for the summertime. I love that that swimsuit's got a pocket that, that closes so I can put stuff the in zippers. there. Zippers. Like zippers. You know, you're not, mm. I never understood why the, why the swimsuits had the Velcro pockets because – Seems fraught with danger, but zippers got you covered. Um, from sh- you know, you've got the t-shirts. I've got a couple of Mac Weldon, Weldon t-shirts. They're, they're, I was reaching in the, my t-shirt drawer the other day, and I, I saw a black shirt 
and I grabbed it and I felt it. I was like, oh, I, realized, that must be my, <laughs> I literally said that must be my Mac Weldon black uh, V-neck because it, it's such a nice soft cotton to it as opposed to the I other ones. Too. I, have. I, I have a bunch of black t-shirts in my drawer and uh, and when I need to know which one it is, I reach out and I go, oh, that's a Mac Weldon one. Yeah, Same I thing. literally went, oh, because it's, it's, it feels cooler. Then my other t-shirts, yep. I don't know what they do, what kind of magic, what kind of alchemy they've got in those shirts, but even when it's been sitting in my drawer for the winter, I was like, oh, it's still at nice. least At least twice in the past few weeks, I have gotten dressed. And there was one day I was, I was head to toe, except for the socks, with, I had the, the radius pants and the, and the underwear, and had the t-shirt, and then I had the sweatshirt on top of it. And I was like, I should text Connor and let him know that I'm fully in the <laughs> Mac Weldon daily wear system. <laughs> and you should know that I, I didn't do that. Um, and I saved the reveal for now, not on purpose, but that's where we are. But yeah, I've, I've, I've thought, oh, I'm doing it. I'm doing the system. I'm, I'm halfway into the system right now. I'm so, I'm loath. It's going to be in the 90s this weekend here. Yeah. And, and I can't wear my ace uh, sweatshirt that I'm wearing most days. Sure. Most days now. And uh, that's going to upset me. I'm wearing it right now. We should talk to you about getting you a modeling contract. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to tone up a bit. <laughs> Macwell's premium polos. You know what? Do you guys need the regular guy? (laughs) Right. Because I can be that regular, like, like, you know, uh, fairly fashion conscious, you know, well-dressed, good-looking guy who likes chicken fingers. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Macwell's premium polos elevate, easily elevate your plans with fabric technology they've built in to keep you comfortable as the temperature rises. Their lightweight silver peak polo and new super soft Pima t-shirt polo are great for summer. You know, wear them everywhere. Wear them with the Maverick Tech Chino shorts and the Radius Flex short. I have the I have a Radius Flex short. You know, mm. wear, wear them with those. You look great. Two other must-haves for the season and by the season. I mean beach season or pool season. Whatever body water you prefer, check out their board shorts and swim trunks. A combo of performance stretch and a slick design. They've got great gear for what you're, when you're taking time off. So check out Mac Weldon for yourself and save 20% off your first order. Visit MacWeldon.com slash iFanboyMac and a promo code iFanboyMac. That's M-A-C-K. Again, that's MacWeldon.com slash iFanboyMac and a promo code iFanboyMac for 20% off. Stock up on the warm weather essentials you've been missing. I really Moving enjoy that along. new promo code. Yeah, you like saying it because it's like it sounds like return of the Mac. Mm-hmm. I wasn't going to read it. And uh, you can tell your wife that I read it because she's like, she wants to know what you think. And when Connor says that she wants something, it's more like a command than a request. And I just thought, <laughs> oh, I'm going I'm to hear about this. So I'll just read it. Um, so this one's for you, Megan. Bill Willingham and Mark Buckingham and uh, Andrew Leahola. Uh, I'm not looking at it, so I can't tell if that's exactly the right pronunciation, but I think it is. Uh, are back on, mm-hmm. yeah, Leahola. I like that name. That's it's a, good a fun name. one to say. Yep. Uh, and um, Lee Lower, John Collars, and, and, and the incomparable Todd Klein on letters. Uh, the full team is back. I'm not. I, I, there's no irony. There's no joke about that. Todd Klein is incomparable. He is yep. the best. Of, and every time I see that he's still doing a book, I, I feel a little bit of joy. Genuine mm-hmm. joy. Mm-hmm. All right, so I didn't read. I, the Fables ended at seventy-five, and then they brought it back. I think I read a handful of issues after seventy-five, and I, I, I think I had skidded into the end of of the first arc. I, it wasn't that I didn't like it; it's just I'd had enough. 
And so I didn't really like it. It ended. Yep. It ended. It didn't. It didn't need to come back. Things rarely need to come back, even if they're good or not. Like even if you thought the ending was too early, you know, you got a Deadwood movie situation. Like where right. it's kind of like, oh, this is kind of cool, but you ended it. I had prepared to walk away. We had the thing. So they've now come back for the 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 second time after ending it, mm-hmm. and I guess this is going to be a twelve issue series. Um, the good news is that you know, having been fairly familiar with fables because I read seventy five plus issues of it, I knew kind of who everybody was, and if I didn't know exactly, then you know, I'd, I'd sort it out. Um, and and basically, this we have the in the middle of uh, New York City, Fable Town, which was hidden there. Uh, is is now visible to everybody, so the world knows about magic, and and the Fable Town is a smoking wreck, uh, and so part of it is that the world has to deal with the fact that there's people and there's magic, uh, as if the sheet of Harry Potter has been pulled back, and all sure. the muggles understand. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, then the other part of the story is that S- Snow White and and Bigby uh, and their three kids trek off into the woods to find their ancestral homelands and set up a new place. Um, and there's some other story with a girl who I don't know. Did you uh, enjoy it? Kind of. I kind of enjoy Like, I wasn't as lost or annoyed. I wasn't annoyed, but I expected I might be annoyed, but I wasn't. Um, it felt familiar. I mean, like, there's no loss of, you know, Buckingham is still great. And, and Lee Lowridge is always great. And, you know, the Willingham does a great job with great, great, great. All these, you know, characters and his, his dialogue and, and, uh, you know, he's a compelling writer from moment to moment. Uh, there's a couple of things, you know, things in here that, that did pique my interest. So am I going to read the next one? Maybe two, somewhere between maybe and probably you're, That's you're a fables guy. Quite famously on the was, show, we, we used to make fun yeah. of you for it, mostly because it got made people angry, and so we kept doing it. This is people don't sure. realize if you get angry, we're going to keep doing it. Sure. Um, I just realized while you're talking, doing the math, that if the book originally ended at 75 and we're at 151, they've done more issues post-ending than they did pre. That, as of this issue, yes. Yeah. That's crazy. Yep. And then there were, but there was also other, there were other series too. Sure. It was Jack like, of Fables. So Jack of Fables went. 60-ish or so. And that was great. And um, I think there was others. Others too. So there's, like, there's, a, there's a lot invested in this. And, you know, I don't know if you've noticed, but you don't see Billy, Bill Willingham's name on a bunch of other stuff. So can't blame him for going back. Well, what if I do this? Will you pay me then? Yes. Okay, let's do it. Right. You know, you gotta, you, gotta, you gotta have a career. You know, it was, if you like Fables, I think you're gonna like this. If you don't, if you don't ever watch, if you've never, you know, I'd say go get the first trade and see if you like that and read it and get here. Don't start here. Right. Um, but it's, you know, it's, it's good. I think that if you're a Fables fan, it'll, it'll, you'll be good. Wait a minute. What was the branding on the book? Cause it's not Vertigo. I assume it's, it black label? I had that question. Yep. Black label, but it's in the standard comic format. Not the, sure. Not the magazine weird. format. The whole world is weird. Listen, Black Label is Vertigo. It's all it's all it is. Let's <laughs> just accept it. It's Vertigo, but they do more DC superhero stuff within Vertigo because uh, Karen Berger wouldn't do that. It's sexy That's Vertigo. Batman, Superman, World's Finest number three. First of all, I was sure this was like the fifth issue of this book already. I was, yeah. I just Same was thing. like, only three? Um, and I love that Mark Wade is like, throwing everything into the pot where he said he's like basically saying this is what you've been missing 
because so here he you know we, so we've had Batman, we've had Superman, we've had Supergirl, we've had Robin, we've had uh, Doom Patrol. I almost said Metal Man again, uh, and now we've got Wonder Woman and Flash and Green Lantern. He's just like, let's just toss it all in. This is all the stuff I could have been doing this whole time, and you missed out. And I you know I don't know that this would have like been that my there's pick. There's an element of spite to it for you. Yeah, there's just a bit of oh yeah, we'll take this <laughs> exactly. So I, I just, I mean, that's all I really wanted to say. I, this, this was another great issue. I've been loving this book. I'm, uh, this is between. This is a great week for me because Nightwing and Nightwing and uh, World's Finest seem to be on the same monthly release schedule, and so I have. I know I'm at least going to uh, probably really enjoy two of the books I read on that month or that mm-hmm. week of the month because I just love this book so much. I think I don't love it. I think you do. It's it to me. I was like, well, this is an awful lot. This had a little bit of the Fantastic Four feeling for me. Oh, for sure. A ton in here. I don't. I, you, I couldn't tell you anything about the villain or what's going on. I just love that he writes the character so well, and he. That's fair. And Dan Mora is terrific. I, I I would be very happy to slow down with the next arc. Slow it down. But bring it in. I I still am loving it. Joe's Joe's Hill. Joe Hill's Reign Number Five, the final issue of the five-issue miniseries written by David M. Boer, based on a short story by Joe Hill, with art by Zoe Thorogood, who plays a mean guitar. And Chris the same O'Hallor. thing when I wrote it down. <laughs> it's all I can oh, think of. I got the bartender, man. <laughs> See the name Thorogood. And Sean Lee on letters. I, I still stand by what I think is that I thought the first issue was a perfect little short story. Yep. I liked this whole miniseries. I thought it was well done. But I don't know that I got anything out of two through five that I didn't get in the first issue. Like I think if you if it had been a one issue thing, it would have been like an Eisner worthy single short story. Yeah. But again, I, I thought the rest of it was good. I just thought the everything everything that happened happened in issue one, and it was perfect. And two through five were good. I think that the fact that two through five existed, though, um, I think it was a, it was a good ending. Yeah, it gave me it gave me a little more. It gave you some explanation, which I don't actually think we needed, but no. I wasn't unhappy with it. Um, you got one of those classic like, <gasps> you know, and then you see all the themes flash together, and you put it together. A little convenient, whatever. You get uh, a, a you get a killing of one good person who's left by a machete. <laughs> um, it's just like, geez. Yeah, I was surprised but by that. It's it's that kind of book. So, um, I mean, I think what I would have wanted, and I think that we got in two through five was to see more of the world and i want to see more of the world i don't think that i should be shown more of the world by the way right. or given more explanation but you don't you know, want, you don't want joe were, hill joe hill's rank two number one no but you know if there was like a backup so series through the like story series of stories through the back of these they're like shit that's going on in other places in the world mm-hmm. i think that'd be really interesting i just just because i think that this effect on the this is a such an interesting concept you know it's 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 global warming warming made uh um climate change made physical you know it's it's like no there's actually so not coming from this guy yeah, I, I expect now to look out the window and just see uh crystal rain because that's where we're yeah. at now yeah no but uh, you know it, great uh, uh, the experience of the of the five issues and just five was, was really wonderful and enjoyable and i got, got to meet a new artist and uh, and she said, "Look, man, come down here." <laughs> so those are the books we want to talk about. But Patreon.com/slash/ifanboy—that's where you can vote to add a book to the rundown. And for the third time in the history of the Patreon pick, 
the Patriot pick was Savage Avengers. So the Savage Avengers lobby is strong. So basically what you're saying is that the iPhone boy patrons are trying to make Savage Avengers happen. Include, yes, including the, the last issue, but I wasn't on that show, of Savage Avengers 28. Um, and then we had the one that was the Conan in jail one, which I did read. But this is the first issue of a new volume of Savage Avengers, with written by David Pepozzi. 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 And art by Carlos Magno, who we know very well, and colors by Go Espen. ahead, say it. By Espen Grundjert. Grundjern. Grundjern. And letters by Travis Lanham. I didn't like this. I didn't not like it because it was terrible. I did not like it because there was nothing that was there to grab me. Yes. In, in, uh, you know, so. It wasn't I, a I bad was, comic. I, I won't no. say that. It, it, it was fine. It just, you tell me why you didn't like it. I'll tell you why I didn't like it. So when I looked on. Comicsology. Before I knew that this was going to be the pick of the or the patron pick, yeah. I it is not the pick of the week. No. Uh, I looked. There was one review. And I thought, oh, let's see what it is. And it was because it was like two stars. And it was just like there are no concepts in here that I haven't seen a hundred times before. And it's just all the same stereotypes and tropes. And I was like, you know what, Comicsology reviewer, <laughs> you fu- you nailed it. <laughs> it was like, and it was all of these uh, tertiary Marvel characters and properties thrown in with exactly the same problems that they ever had. And uh, then then when I started reading it, because I had to, I decided not to read it based on that. Because I, I there was something about it that was like, I feel like this rings true. Mm-hmm. And as I started to read it, um, it was written, it was written full on, not, I think it's non-ironic, but you could take it that way, but full on serious, overwrought, Robert E. Howard, yeah, you know, that, like, that. like, yeah. And that works for a Conan book. Yes. And I don't think it worked here. Yeah, that was that was my first uh moment was it was written almost like History of the DC Universe, the book they put out after Crisis to to make sense of the world and that was written as sort of like a academic remove. Mm-hmm. And this felt like the, the the way this was written where the overwrought caption boxes told me the story felt like the whole story was like an arm's length. And then Mm. I found about halfway through, I had I went back and looked. Who wrote that other Savage Dragon books? I went back and looked. All oh, right, this is Jerry Duggan. Duggan, and that one had Jerry Duggan's sense of humor and irony in it. Yes, which I think a book that features Conan the Barbarian in twenty twenty two wielding a broad broadsword and wearing a loincloth needs to have because it's inherently silly. I th- and so I see what they're going for. And I think it's possible. I think it's possible that there is an element of irony to this that didn't come through. Maybe. I would I would I would think unless it was taken super serious, but you can either take this super seriously and really mean it, which is ridiculous, or you can take it super seriously and recognize that that's ironic. And I feel like there I felt like I don't know that they were doing uh I don't know which was former or latter that they're actually taking it super seriously. And so that's why that doesn't work. I actually didn't mind necessarily the character mix-up, makeup. I like all these lower-tier Marvel characters. It's fun to have them in a group. It feels like an old sure. 80s event. You know, Cloak and Dagger, when's the last time I read anything with them in it? Electra, 
as Daredevil filling that role. I don't know who the hell this Hulk Wolverine character is. I've never seen them before. That was very confusing. Um, I don't know why or what the hell that sword is that Black Knight was using. It wasn't the Ebony Blade. I did, I did not like that sword. No. It's the He-Man sword. Yeah, I mean, I know, I know from that other miniseries we read of his that his daughter is now also the Black Knight, so I guess she has the Ebony Blade, but, like, that's dumb. I still felt like I had missed something. I was like, I read all those Black Knight books. Why don't I know what he's talking about? It ended with and her taking up the mantle, because, of course... I kind of remember that. Of course, the uh, let's take away another beloved Marvel character. But um, he's still here with a dumb, 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 dumb sword. Just give him a regular sword at that point. Like, what is, what is yeah. he holding? Yeah, that's a bad sword. Um, um, so the only thing about I'll, I'll say through all this is, and then there's Ven, there's anti venom who's stupid. And, you know what? I don't mind that so much as is that's one of the least objectionable things. Well, you you it, you were a big fan of that his book. The, I like the that Flash Remender book. book. Yeah. So I but it, well, the point is like I get where it's coming from. I know who it is. I know that it's Flash Thompson. I know that I hate Deathlock. I hate Deathlock. <laughs> I, I, they're the good guys in the other book, and he's a bad guy here, and they're gross looking, and I don't understand it. I don't know where they come from. It feels like a 90s thing that won't go away. And that's, yeah, the, the, so the, that's my own thing. The whole thing you know, with this book has been that Conan, the Barbarian, has been the modern day. And he yearns for the plains of Hyperia, or Hyboria, whatever the name is of the, of the thing. Hyboria. Hyboria. And so Deathlock, obviously, is a time traveler. And our, this Deathlock's our, our, our legion. There's not just one Deathlock. And uh, so in the course of this fight, because Deathlock has shown up to kill Conan because Conan is a time anomaly. Uh, his, is, it, is it Black Knight that stabs him? Somebody stabs Deathlock. Yeah, Black... No, Conan yep. does with his sword. Yeah. And it shoots them all into a vortex. And he wakes up... Um, Back home, on the the battle scarred steps, but now he's also with anti venom and, cl- and dagger. So they're in the high, they're back in the Hyborian age, but everyone. So I mean that's fairly interesting. I was I was as you mentioned I had forgotten that that's how it ended. But what what I was thinking just now is like you should have done that on page five. Yes, I I didn't need the whole giant fight scene. But yep. the other thing that's that's mixed up in all this is that this. Is, Either this week or the week before, they announced that Conan and Marvel are parting ways. Oh, yeah. So the solo book is definitely ending. King Conan's the final solo book. But they're, they're trying to negotiate a contract to keep him in this Savage Avengers book. But if, if that doesn't happen, then this is, this is all moot. <laughs> you think you'd find that contract out before you started the new volume? Um, if you <laughs> look, If you look at the cover mm-hmm. and you see Deathlock's there... And he's pointing at us. It's a really boring cover by Linil Yu, who used to be a very exciting artist and now just doesn't seem to care. Um, look at Deathlock's tiny gun, right? Yeah. And then flip to the for the very first page. Here's the the, the same gun, but giant. Him. Yeah, it's huge. And throughout the book, like that's consistent. It's really big. But if you go for one of the others, like, ee! <laughs> <laughs> you know, like there's one place, like. I, I kind of see why it's a tiny gun because it would go off the but let it go off like if there's one place to put a giant gun it's the cover of the thing right yeah well also, also Black that's Knight not, has a regular sword in the cover is that what anti venom looks like does he turn into that I guess I don't know anything about anti venom I don't know I, this, I, was, I, this was, was kind of a, mess. a lot yeah I I think I think there's a market for it I think there's somebody who could be into oh for this. sure 
it, it is, not, it not is there's a lot of on paper there's a lot of things that are good it's overwrought it is too much it's a bunch of shit that doesn't go together and it's it's just totally wacky and it takes itself really seriously which sometimes works um and it's got carlos Magno, who is he's the right artist for this yeah like that's that's a, the correct choice uh for in editing is to put this kind of person on yeah. this uh you know the art the art did its job you know we're familiar with him as an artist and i think it worked um just don't care yeah Ratings on Savage Avengers number one. Ratings. I'm just gonna go two and a half, I'm straight going, up. I'm going a two. Comic book. Yeah. Two. Sticking what? with it. No. Yeah, I don't, I don't think so. No. Stop trying to make Savage Avengers happen. <laughs> no more picture picks. You got three of them. Oh, no I thought more. you were doing. I thought you were doing a Scarlet Witch thing. Yeah, no more, no more. We're done. <laughs> I'm, just killed the Patriot fixing. You, you could do that. I guess. <laughs> like, like we actually have that power. No, just <laughs> we've had three Savage Savage Avengers. We're done. Patreon.com/slash/ifanboy is where you can vote to add a book to the rundown. But if you give it the five dollar or higher level superpower live on the show. I just permanently deleted Savage Avengers from my iPad. Um, live on the show, like these two fine fellows, Greg Reinhardt is known as Peepers because Greg Reinhardt's eyes can. We've, we've we've given this power before, but I'm giving it a twist. He can, you know, telescope. He can see, you know, microscope. He can give. All, he can do all the things, but when he does it, he gets these giant steampunky attachments that appear on over his eyes to to, to give him I the can. power. Do they make like a whirring, like transformer type yes. of sound, or do they make a steamy, like? Both. Well, it really depends. Like your old iPad. Yeah, it depends on which, which you know, what he's doing with them. You know, if he's if he's uh, if he's telescoping, there's a you know, it's a lot of steam and uh, whirring, and t- and things are rotating and and you know that kind of thing. And then, but maybe if he's got like a micro you know micro telescope situations more right. a transformer it just really depends on what attachments okay. appearing on his face but he has but these jump, attachments jump, appear jump. magically to give him all the types of vision that one can have peepers hello peepers <laughs> long time since i saw you so uh ryan mount ryan mount who would sound cool in a lot of occupations yeah for sure could be i mean like like sounds like it's a quarterback you know, Ryan, yeah, for sure. Ryan Mount takes the field. Ryan Mount from Tennessee. Uh, right. You know, yeah. you could be, I could see your name uh, as the sort of photography credit on a National Geographic. Like you went to Deepest Papua, New mm-hmm. Guinea, and you took photos of uh, crazy shit, Ryan Mount. Uh, but that's not, that's not his power. His power is that he is always the coolest guy in the room, both literally and figuratively. Mm-hmm. He's, he's there and everyone looks at him like, oh man. But he's also always comfortable. And he's, no matter he's, what, he's cool. Yeah, he's, which makes him excellent to be a photographer in Papua New Guinea. Because what happens very, if he's in a cold place. room? Um, he he then would be the he would still be the coolest guy in the room. It could work against him there. <laughs> like if if like he finds himself, you know, he's doing inter, investigative international photojournalism, right? Yeah, and he's 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 put into a like a meat locker situation. Mm-hmm. He will get colder than everybody else, but at the same time, it is very possible that his um, his his uh, kidnappers would like look at him and be like, 
this guy's too cool. We can't do this to him. Oh, I think it's very forget, likely. He's also the coolest guy in the room. Yeah. We can't hurt this so, guy. Look how cool he is. Look at the hair, the jacket. Yeah, you know, but it's not just cool like like look at that guy. But you know, you meet somebody like, oh, they're just, they're just cool, man. They're good yeah. to be around. They're good people. He's good good folk. Mm-hmm. She's she's a cool chick. You know, like she's a cool, that, cool that's, chick. The combination of those two things is gonna make things, you know, more often than not pretty smooth sailing. Patreon.com slash iFanboy. Greg and Ryan, thanks for being patrons. And I'll just say real quick, uh, patreon.com, that's such a high has brought you many things, like the talk explode, the book explode, the media explode. We, we mentioned about a month or so ago, maybe more, that the media explodes were on the edge of being eliminated as a monthly as a monthly bit of entertainment uh, because it's a stretch goal. We were on the verge of, actually, we t- dipped underneath that stretch. Well, we're getting back to that point. We're very, very close. I think we're $8 away from being underneath that threshold. So if that happens, we'll, we'll have to pause on the media slopes again so if you thought of being a patron and you like the shows we do consider joining up at patreon.com slash ifanboy the other thing i'll mention is that uh, memorial day in america is coming up this coming weekend next weekend i guess and we're having a memorial day sale at ifanboy.threadless.com well they're having the sale we just put the shirts up and they can't control that but they're having a memorial day sale starting may 23rd which is what that's oh that's monday so it's that's monday that's you're hearing that right now May 23rd at 10 a.m., for the first time ever, the most popular t-shirts in our shop will be on sale for $15, including the regular fitted tees, the extra soft tees, the classic tees, the kids' tees, the regular deep v-necks, and all tank tops will be on sale for $15. In addition to that, all bags will be 25, all bags will be 25% off, and everything else will be on sale. There's an asterisk, but I don't know what that asterisk means because it's not in the copy. So maybe, <laughs> maybe some things won't be on sale. That was I, not I mean, put I'm, into our I copy. imagine there's some things that won't be on sale. Right after yeah. this, everything will be... And then accept this. Yeah. That's how these things so work. So keep an eye out for things that may not be on sale. But Can if I, you want if you're thinking of buying a t shirt, and this is a good time to get to do it, so check it out at fanboy.threadless.com. The sale ends May twenty seventh, which is Friday. So it's Monday through Friday. It actually doesn't doesn't include Memorial Day. Or Memorial Day's twenty seventh. Nope, it doesn't include Memorial Day. That's strange. Hey uh Connor, you want to know something about uh May twenty first? Sure. On May twenty first, my brother Tegan. Mm-hmm. It's come up time time turns 37 nope <laughs> but if it makes you feel any better he hasn't changed at all <laughs> i can tell from his instagram <laughs> uh so there you go those are the two main things i wanted to mention um i found out patreon.com slash fanboy if you think about joining up now's a great time with us we're in a verge losing the media split shows and i found out threadless.com there's a sale happening may 23rd to may 27th so check that out do you want to do a really fast email, or do you want to wrap it up? Your call. Let's go with Steve B. from Maryland's question, which is, humbly request an in-depth assessment of the composition, quality, and consumption method of the pizza and or pizza balls America Chavez eats in Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. I just want to say this is excellent thinking. Yes. This is something that we should have come up with. It should have been addressed in the in the show. Uh, if you haven't seen the movie, I don't think this counts as spoilers. Mm. Uh, basically, there's a lot of there's a lot of universes, and in this one universe, uh, you can buy not a slice of pizza, but a pizza ball, right? Um, which is brilliant. I'll be honest; I didn't have a strong opinion on it because I don't have an opinion on pizza balls as they don't exist. So, right, but let's let's put ourselves in that place. So you are, I mean, even if say that you're, 
this seems like the kind of thing like you could buy at a state fair in Wisconsin. Sure, and right? I'm not saying they're they're bad or wrong. I just when they happened in the movie, I didn't like find myself going, "Oh, how they're eating it," because I just you know they're pizza balls. I don't now, know how they're eating. Let's remind eat me this in the movie is the cheese and toppings are on the outside. Yes, yes, which seems to be it would just be a it would calzone. be a calzone. Yeah, I mean you'd have to have uh, some sort of device. Well, that's the, that's. I mean, the, Yes. The brilliance of the pizza is that the, the, the crust works as a holder and a guard yeah. to stop the orange grease. <laughs> oh, that delicious orange grease. But I, you can't – yeah. This is where you'd have to break the pizza covenant and you'd have to eat a pizza ball with a knife and fork. You'd have to. I think also, you could where does the crust in- go? Is there like a little core of crust, like the, like the molten core of the earth? Well, and there's a couple of ways you could do it. You could, I mean, you don't want just a dough ball in the middle, but let's imagine for a second that there is a crust, and what they do is they fold it around so that the texture is actually on the inside. Mm. And so you get the so it's crunch. Like a, it's almost like a spiral, of, like a roll, like an inverted pizza. And I think that the one way that you could eat it, I don't think it's, I, I don't, I don't know if it's a hand food on its own. But imagine if you will, sort of a cardboard cone. Right, so it's and so, it perches. So it becomes like an ice cream cone. Sort of, but a pizza cone. Have we just, now, as I say that, just cracked does it, a new business? Does, a new as vertical? I say that, does it, does it get more attractive to you? Can um, you and no, I, I, picture I kinda, yourself eating that? I kind of like the idea more of the roll aspect that you mentioned, like a, like mm-hmm. a log like a, like a log cake, mm-hmm. so that you, if you slice the, <gasps> slice the, uh-huh. the, ball, the ball in half, you'd see a spiral of you know, crust. I kind of yeah. like that better. Uh-huh. But the thing is, you can't, this, though. Go ahead. You, you can't not have the crust. The crust has to be... There, the intrinsic value of the pizza is crust. The sound, the sound of the bite involves the the crust breaking. Right, but also you just need crust, tomato, cheese. If that, you know, there's there's things. There's pizza without cheese, and obviously there's pizza without tomato. But like, those are specialties. Like, if it's a pizza, it's got crust, potato, tomato, cheese. And if you don't take out the crust, then you're just then it's then it's just like it's like pasta almost pasta sauce. You know, it's like but if End of the day, this discussion makes you want to do what? Eat a pizza. Exactly. Uh, the, the thing is, I'm almost never not wanting to eat a pizza, like, much like the Hulk's always angry. So when right, you talk yeah. about it more. <laughs> pizza is always the best there is. <laughs> Fucking pizza. So good. It um, is. But I, I, I did, you know, I, obviously I noticed the pizza balls in the movie. I, I clocked mm-hmm. their existence. I just didn't have a yeah. strong opinion because, again, we haven't really spent a lot of time around the pizza ball. Um, that's not a calzone because a calzone is, I've had a lot of calzones. Yeah. I'm not thinking and it's not the same as pizza. It's just not. It's, it isn't, it, it should be, but I, I would go spiral inside, but, but something, there I has like to the, be a crust the, in the, there. The, the Swiss roll, but there has to be some way to keep that crust from not just being soft dough. Right, because because the yeah. the cooking the crust on the outside is keep, makes it hard because the the crust is against the, the you know the hot oven mm-hmm. bottom. There so has you, to be. If you can't cook it that way, then, word, then it just becomes doughy. There's a word here, and the word is crackle, mm. and it, it needs to. And it can be it can be a, a bit large crackle. It can be a very uh, you know smaller imperceptible crackle, but there has to be some form of that. Correct. Yeah, but that's that's and that's where the downfall of a lot of pizza comes is it, it is that the crust isn't doesn't snap on you. What if, what if the pizza ball, the, the 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 toppings and cheese and that part of it, isn't just around the outside of a dough ball? I don't think it can be. There'd be too much dough, so it sort of 
goes through it. So as you eat it, I think this is like the Swiss roll to a certain extent. But there's the ball. It's a sphere. Right. What if uh-huh. what if there was cr- like chips of crust, like a oh, like an ice cream that has like pieces of um, vanilla <gasps> cone in it, hunks hunks of crust. Yeah, I think you're getting something there. That wouldn't be it, too it bad. It doesn't hold together. It is not cohesive in that. I yeah, mean, the like ball would fall apart. Yeah, That's, again, you're gonna need utensils. You're just gonna have to. I like I like the co- I still like the cone idea. It's not a bad idea for sure. Maybe you could add the maybe like like you could get a cardboard cone just as a serving implement, mm-hmm. and it sort of goes up or it sits inside it a little bit, not just necessarily on top. Because again, you have the orange grease problem. I um, still think that I mean, although yeah, if you had if you had a ball of pe- you know cheese and tomato in a crust right. cone, you'd finish yeah. that ball and you just have like a cup full of grease, a <laughs> 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 cone cup full of yeah, orange grease. You just dump that out and then eat the crust cone and it's yeah. delicious. Like that's an add-on. Like if you go get ice cream, you get the waffle cone. Oh, man. Well, thanks. Thanks, Steve B. from Maryland. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know where we'd go with this, but I'm not disappointed. A lot more came out of that than I expected. Contact at ifanboy.com. That's how Steve B. and many of the others were written in. And we thank you who do. If you want to write it for the media explode, please put media explode into the title of the email or the subject line. I keep calling it title. It's not a title. No one does that. Let's plug some other shows. We had our media explode that we just talked about come out just a few days ago. We did a our regular show. We talked about things we've been enjoying, and our main topic was it was breaking down winning time. The the, the, the Lakers, the story of the Lake. What is it? What is it? Whatever the subject, whatever, the story of the Lakers dynasty, something like that. The winning time, the first season of the HBO series about the Lakers in the 1980s. You don't have to like basketball to like the show. That's what we have. But discovered. if you like basketball, it makes it even better, and it's a good time for liking basketball. Right Absolutely, now. I'm just saying. Ron also loved the show, and he does not like sure. basketball. So it hasn't time, gotten us any closer to getting him to watch Friday Night Lights, though. Somehow it just won't happen. But that show is right behind this one on the feed, so check that out. We just talked about Dr. Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. That's also on this feed a few shows back with me and Josh and Paul Montgomery talked about that movie. We have our patron hangout. The next one is going to be May 28th, so Memorial Day weekend on Saturday. That's our next patron hangout, so come one, come all. And supposedly this coming week there's going to be a talk split, but we'll see. There's not. I'm working on it, uh, but it's not going to be this week. Uh, I'm not cool anymore, man. No one answers my calls. It's you not it's have, like it used to be. You don't have uh, Ryan Mount's power. No, I don't. No, I, I definitely don't. I want to desperately, but let's time to just So we have it. next June will be a booksplode month, and it'll, so it looks like it'll be a booksplode slash talksplode month. And uh, I, I, I think I know what the book is, but Josh and I haven't talked about it, so I'm not going to announce it. We'll announce it next week, so you can okay. get ahead on this on the situation. I, think I thought I know. I thought we had decided. Did we? Yeah. We'll, we'll announce it next week. Let's talk about it right after okay. this. So that's what's coming up next month. Also, there'll also be an animated show next month too. So there'll be some more, there'll be some more stuff next month. It's not. There's not not shows. Well, there's a lot there's of shows. shows. There's a lot. Speaking of shows, th- uh, there's a place you can find them. That place is called ifanboy.com. They just looked the same way for a very long time, <laughs> uh, and it's going to stay looking that way. Yeah. If you like continuity, good news for you. Um, <laughs> there's no financial incentive to change it. Uh, <laughs> This, all of the things that we did that exist are available there. Mm-hmm. Lots of comic book writing uh, in the archives. Just search the term top five, and I think you'll find some really fun stuff. Yes. Uh, search anything. If you want like a history of the various crappy uh, things that people have complained about in comics, you can search for Jimsky's uh, work under his name. 
Um, and then there's a whole perspective on that that we may have forgotten about. And then you'll read it and be like, oh, man, it was always like this. <laughs> you can find out what the pick of the week is before the show comes out so that you can be prepared uh, for uh, Ad I Fanboy on Twitter and Ad I Fanboy Comics on Instagram. You can follow Connor and I individually on Instagram at CS Kilpatrick and J.A. Flanagan. We both inadvertently used the same naming convention, but we didn't talk about it. No, it just, just happened. happened yeah. Uh, you can subscribe to, subscribe to our YouTube page at youtube.com slash iFanboy. We are getting through the last chunk of the minis now. The full-length shows are all up, uploaded. This past week is two of uh, Connor and my favorites, uh, Bad DC Villains, both part one and part two. Those are yes. both up now. You've been waiting for this. I've been waiting for this one. It's been, it's been, I've been, it's been loaded in the system for a while. I've been waiting for this to get, to get around to this. Two of our favorite minis, if you haven't checked mm-hmm. them out, go do so, um, in which Josh and I just leafed through the DC who's who binder and stumbled upon bad DC villains and read about them and laughed and laughed and laughed. This is one of the minis it's, where we were both crying laughing while recording it. Yeah. It's one I can picture myself in that little room, my little office in my old apartment, uh, and uh and just a little like one of the all time great laughs. Jacob Horsman. So <laughs> oh, Horseman. Check that out. It's on our YouTube page. <laughs> Um, they're, so, they're two of our favorites. They still make me laugh to think about those. Okay. Horseman. Horseman. So if you like the show, consider leaving a review on iTunes, uh, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts, wherever they're sold, leave a review or a star rating or however they do ratings. It helps people find the show. helps the algorithm. helps all those things. So thank you very much for everyone who does that. Even better than that is to tell your friends word of mouth. is a great way to help uh, raise awareness for the show. We, we appreciate you that you are all our marketing team our unpaid interns thank you very much and that is the end of the show thanks for listening I'm Connor I'm Josh I'll see to my bartender I said look man come down here you got down now so what you want this time I said look man what time is it he said the clock on the wall said 3 o'clock the last call for alcohol so what you need? 